something really horrible with my voice do you want to hear it please do oh, hello and welcome to lady fingernails that's horrendous that's awful <laughs> hi hi hello and welcome to lady fingers the gayest podcast about the great british bake-off inside or outside of great britain um agreed all on all points uh this is a fun chill regular podcast where we don't feel emotional a lot of the time. We're not, no. you know, drowning in confusing feelings of like rage and confusion and, and outrage. Everything's cool and chill and, you know, fun, unrelated to anything at all. Paul Hollywood, if I see you in the streets, I'm going to fight you immediately. I'm not going to say hello. <laughs> um, this is not a threat. This is a promise. And moving on, patisserie week. It's patisserie week, which is different than pastry week. Because this is about being Parisian. Tiny little guys that are just foofy and as difficult as humanly possible to make. And they all have to look the same for some reason. The opening little bit that they did kind of oh yeah, that felt one. like a microcosm of the whole episode. In that Noel and uh, Matt are David Bowie and Freddie Mercury. Two amazing queer icons. <laughs> and then... Paul Hollywood shows up and is like, hey, I'm Elvis. I stole music from black people. How's it going? (laughs) You know, just like ruined the fun, nice time they were having. I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know. Like this, this episode has so many layers to it, much like the treats in the first challenge. Wow. Wow. That one right off the top. I did not plan that. I feel like Matt and Noel were actually kind of funny this week and like a little bit better than last week, I would say. And then also this really, you know, amazing thing of Christelle and Chiggs, like, really coming into their own, and it was so mm-hmm. satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, everything that happened to Jurgen being, like, confusing and frustrating, and I think a lot of that is Paul doing too much of the Paul this week. We had too much Paul this week. So much Paul. So, like I was saying, first challenge uh, are layered slices. What what we've been talking about, lots of layers they want it to be as difficult as possible. Going into this, I was very surprised that Christelle called herself, like in her little um, confessional, called herself the least capable baker in the tent. Mm. That like made me sad a little bit. Yeah. There was there was also a moment later on where Noel was like, oh, can you believe it? You're going to make it to the final or, or something to that effect. And she was like, no, no way. It's definitely not going to happen. No, I'm definitely not. And it's like, girl, you are just as good as the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. And in fact, better. But yes, as you said, layered slices. Which ones uh, struck you as tasty, beautiful? Giuseppe is like the safest one of them. It was a tiramisu thing. And it was delicious, and he got a handshake. I really liked his his sultana layer. I know that was like his little twist. Oh, what's um, a sultana? 
Sultanas are raisins. Oh. They're the yellow raisins. Okay, um, okay. When he was waiting for his sultanas to cook down, he literally went, Mamma mia. Like, <laughs> literally, those words came out of his mouth. And I was like, Giuseppe, <laughs> the Italian is so strong today. That is... <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> I did not catch so that. It was so cute. It was so cute. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I love a tiramisu. It's always we good. do love a tiramisu. What about Chiggs? What did you think of Chiggs? Chiggs made a raspberry and chocolate cake mm-hmm. with a little jelly on top and a jacond iconic. They all did some sort of a jacond. It looked nice. I was a little worried that it was going to be too simple when he was cutting it because it mm-hmm. looked very like four layers, which is a lot, but like for the for the semifinal. But then when he put all of the little chocolate and the raspberry on top and everything, um, it looked very, very professional. It looked like Animal Crossing food or like Studio Ghibli food in that way yeah. that it was like, and that color on top was like almost unreal. It looked really good. If there's one fruit, item to pair with chocolate i think raspberry is the one Mm -hmm. i would agree and it seemed like you really had the balance perfect like both the Mm -hmm. chocolate and the raspberry were very strong but they were like perfectly balanced with each other yeah which is so cool so cool it was great he did so good yeah we love to see hot people winning and excelling and growing yeah though i have to say his outfit this week was a little bit of a letdown a little bit of a downgrade it was just like a salmony red shirt like he worked it it was great but yeah we've seen better yeah i wanted more i wanted shirtless chigs in the tent <laughs> okay who do you want to talk about first jürgen or christelle uh, i feel like we need to finish on jürgen because that's where all the thoughts are gonna be okay let's talk about christelle okay i feel again i i don't know i think that you and Christelle are on a similar wavelength. I would imagine that your birth charts have a lot of overlap. Oh, yeah. This just felt like a very Gabe <sighs> treat. It was sesame, yuzu. Yeah, the yuzu coconut black sesame. So good. She had white chocolate in it, which is not my favorite, but mm-hmm. I can see how it will work with this. It would balance with the other things. You don't want something too strong. But it looked so good. It was like... really cool. Oh, And then like the... um. The black sesame in the white sponge mm-hmm. made me think a little bit of like um, dragon fruit a bit. Yeah, because Noel, Noel said it looked like a caterpillar. And like, I kind of see what he meant by that. But that's not also, that's not always a bad thing. Like some caterpillars are like, have these really amazing speckledy kind of colors. And it yeah. was, I thought it was really pretty. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, I love the taste. Christelle got a handshake. Yes. Chig's got a handshake. Yes. And Giuseppe also received a handshake. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I just think it's a lot. I think it is a lot. Who did he try first? Chiggs was first. Okay, so he tried Chiggs's first, and then he did Christelle's, and then he did Giuseppe's, and then he didn't do Jurgen's. I'm sure Chiggs's was great, but I think yeah. if he would have tried one of the other two first maybe Chiggs would not have ended up with a handshake. Ooh, Gabe with the tinfoil hat over here. You know, like... Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. I think I it was really, really good, but I think the other two were probably just, like, 
impressed him even more and he was like yeah. fuck i've got to do it again that's giving yeah. paul the benefit of the doubt which i don't yeah. like to do which is out of character for you quite honestly so we can talk about the the actual bake that jürgen made yeah. but first let's just say that like prue tried it and prue was yeah. like i would give you a handshake for this she said pity i'm not the one handing out handshakes I mean, that says it all right there. Yeah, like, just the fact that Prue is subservient, is secondary yeah. to Paul, is, like, disgusting. Not only, as you said, in, in these little favors that he hands out, but mm-hmm. in the, like, actual judging and picking yeah. of people. Her opinion matters less than Paul's. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't have a fun little cute trick to, like, hand out to people when she thought Jürgen's was totally deserving of it. What were Jürgen's flavors, by the way? So Jürgen made an opera cake, which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love. It's probably my favorite of all cakes. Ooh. It's normally chocolate and then a jacon sponge that's soaked in coffee. So mm. very similar to a tiramisu, but more chocolate, less cinnamon. And he added beetroot and cassis yes the buttercream the beetroot which as a fan of just an opera cake i was like (laughs) (laughs) like i would have just liked an opera cake to be honest but you're doing too much here again you're doing too much well and like like you're sacrificing chocolate (laughs) Mm, never um but but you know it went over very well it looked very cute um, Jürgen also had a, the quote of the episode from him. You know, we always get a Jürgenism. Uh, we don't know what the murder is. We just have the evidence of blood and dagger. <laughs> oh my gosh. So extra. <laughs> He's... We love him. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Also this being episode... a wife guy and being like, my wife thought I was crazy, but... Oh. <laughs> We love Jürgen, our wife guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Shall we move to the technical? I think we shall. What is the technical? So the technical was a sable breton tart. Mm. So sable breton biscuit, which is a very, very thick ass biscuit. Yeah, it's a it's a big ass cookie with some goop and raspberries on top. Yeah. Or was it strawberries? Pistachio goop. And then Pistachio raspberries goop. and strawberries on top. Okay. With okay. Uh, chocolate little, curly cues. Little meringues and chocolate curly cues, yes. Yeah. And so just to be rude to them, they picked something that is called a tart, but is not a rimmed thing with goop inside. It's a big ass cookie and you put the goop on top. And yeah. the only person who knew that outright was Jurgen mm-hmm. because he's fancy and he's a genius. There was this really cool kind of direction thing that I noticed going on where Chiggs and Jürgen were paired together and cut. I don't know. I thought it was this like kind of interesting moment where we saw Chiggs stepping up and like Mm -hmm. you could really see how much skill he had acquired. And now all of a sudden he is neck and neck with Jürgen, who is like the seasoned pro of the episode. I thought it was kind of an interesting way to present that. It was interesting. And I I guess mostly they judged them, I would say, on the biscuit. I also really like Christelle's piping work. I think hers was the prettiest out of the way. It was really, like, yes. complicated and, and nice to look at. So what were the results? Uh, so we ended up with Chiggs in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Christelle with third. Giuseppe coming in second. 
and our little boy Jurgen, little Jürgen. baby Jurgen, coming up on top. Um, I also thought it was really interesting. Chig said afterward, "This is the worst thing I've made in this tent. Out of all the twenty-six bakes that I've done, this was the worst one." Yeah. And if that is true, that man is a god. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, that's honestly bragging. But yeah, we come into the final with pretty much everybody on the same level. Like, mm-hmm. I guess, ultimately, I guess three handshakes fucking count more, but Jurgen winning a technical made him catch up a little bit, and it seemed like everybody was pretty much even, and it was just going to come down to how the final went. I mm-hmm. guess. That is the narrative that is being fed to us. <laughs> Do you have a fun food fact to share with us? I do. I do. So piggybacking off of last week's um, talk about how your body burns calories, Mm -hmm. converts food to energy while you're running, um, I wanted to talk about the origins of the calorie as a, a means of measurement. Yes, yes. You promised to talk about this one this episode. Yes. So, um, Prue always says, you know, if if something is not worth the calories or whatever. Um, But this idea of the calorie has very interesting implications in terms of body image, in terms of geopolitical Mm -hmm. uh, maneuverings and industrialization. So first, all of this is coming from uh, this book, The Hungry World by Nick Colother, which is a really good history of um, the Green Revolution from the perspective of the Cold War. So the calorie um, originated when Wilbur O. Atwater sealed a graduate student into an airtight container in the basement of Judd Hall on the Wesleyan University campus. Excuse me? (laughs) Yes. The first experiments into calorimetry involved putting people in vacuum-sealed rooms, essentially, and giving them food and then, like, making them, like, run or like do an exam or something like that and like seeing how much heat was generated in the chamber and like Mm. how their bodies converted what they had eaten into energy by doing various activities that is so much weirder than i thought it would be yeah yeah and it's not like that anymore now calorimetry is done usually by actually burning food yeah they like put some chemicals on top of it and then light it on fire and measure it that way right exactly so they kind of like sim simulating digestion Mm. in a lab environment but early it was just putting people in rooms and being like how much heat does your body give off when we use the calorie to talk about our bodies and talk about food we're like simplifying all of the things our body does into Mm. your body is an intimate is a machine that Mm -hmm. needs to be fueled and then is burning these things so here's another quote the calorie offered something more solid it conceptually rolled all commodities all farms into one big farm and all markets Mm. into an aggregate national or even world market as if all people were drawing provisions from a single larder oh wow 
Atwater led an effort by manufacturers, municipalities, and the federal government to set scientific standards of living that could be used to contain wage levels while maintaining a healthy and contented workforce. So with the introduction of the calorie, we have all of the food, whether it's wheat, whether it's spinach, whether it's cake, is all made equal. And so Mm. no matter where you are in the world, like you can think of the global food system as a store of calories and bodies as engines turning those calories into energy yeah and like farmland is just like how many calories per square meter can you export out of this land and send around the world to feed people right right and so then there's all this calculation of how how efficiently can we Um, run the world all of the world's people based off of the food that we have and like like this quote said setting a wage cap so people can be happy and healthy enough and get just enough food to be able to do their work so I have some more there are just some good quotes so I'm just going to read them out yeah please Atwater schedules ranked grain meat and dairy goods as important national resources while fruits leafy vegetables and fish registered such slight nutritional value they could scarcely be classified as food tea Mm. coffee and spices on which whole imperial systems had once flourished had no value at all the USDA compiled surveys undertaken by missionaries and ethnographers into ranked lists of peoples of each country in each epoch on the scale of daily caloric consumption, with the native laborer of the Congo at the bottom, with 2,812 calories, and the American athlete at the top, with 4,510 calories. Wow. There's, there's so much there. Oh my god. Yeah, so we're ranking not only foods based off of caloric value, so we're saying wheat, bread, these high-calorie things, those are the most valuable things. Tea, spices, um, fish, even vegetables don't matter because they don't have energy. And then we're classifying higher energy-consuming individuals like athletes in developed nations as essentially like more important functional worthy of food people than indigenous labor laborers from the global south which exist at a lower caloric floor wow oh my god there i that's there's just so much there to unpack and like it uh, this is such the thing of like science is not just necessarily a force for good like there are so many assumptions that you make from the outset when you are studying any of these kinds of things that it will it will end up showing in your in your conclusions like you know it came in with this version of understanding food that benefited like white industrialized society so of course like the peak of white industrialized society which is kind of like a professional athlete came out on top that's crazy right wow right and then last little bit is like that these calories and especially the high calorie dense foods um, become national resources Mm -hmm. that can be doled out to other nations um, to help them quote unquote develop um, as which is what happened during the green revolution like helping people grow specifically wheat and rice um, which are high calorie foods Mm -hmm. and then is also what is being rationed during times of war 
And so this is like how this geopolitical scientific idea of the calorie gets turned into the way we think about it today as like health and diet culture. So one last quote for you. Yeah. Historians have described the enduring effect rationing had on perceptions of diet and body image, and social theorists have associated the emergence of modern sovereignty with a move from, quote, wholesale methods of policing to, quote, retail forms in which individuals internalize state demands as rules of personal behavior. President Hoover summed up the point in the slogan, quote, centralize ideas but decentralize execution. He stressed an intimate connection between the test of bodily discipline and the trials facing the nation during the war emergency and after. Personal dietary sacrifice indicated the United States' arrival at a stage of development at which it was prepared to protect its own institutions and those of Europe. Russia had never attained that stage, he argued, quote, and the result had been a massacre. He urged Americans to seek, quote, victory over ourselves, victory over the enemy of freedom. Wow. (laughs) So we have the calorie, like, being internalized by people as, like, yeah, it's important that you ration your own food intake and that you eat well Mm. and discipline your body because that is what freedom is. (laughs) And that's what protects our freedom. God, and there's so much there just about, like, so much of the conservative response to coronavirus and so many, like, shitty people that I went to high school with have said stuff like, oh, you know, we talk so much about coronavirus and masking. Why doesn't the government mandate that everybody diet and exercise? Mm -hmm. You know, that would be the greatest factor in, you know, preventing illness from coronavirus, sort of like that. Like, so many of those shitty arguments, like, come from that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and like so much of the poisonous diet culture about calorie counting and things like this Mm -hmm. literally comes from the World Wars, World War II, and and the post-war, Cold War urges to count your calories and to to watch out for the national resources. Mm. You know, that's so funny because I really, I had a, a big dieting phase and like last couple years of high school and then it carried into college for a while and I was doing a lot of um intermittent fasting Mm. which was really big during the time and I mean it's still pretty big now and it really was just about equating eating more than like these calorie goals that I had every day as weakness and it it felt Mm -hmm. like I was, it was a personal failure when I ate certain pieces of food Mm -hmm. and that I didn't have a certain amount of discipline to do those things. God, I remember freshman year of high school, I think was in, or freshman year of college when, when I think it was the worst and I would eat like the same three things at the dining hall because like that fit into like my calorie scheme. Yeah. And I would like dream of peanut butter jelly sandwiches and like I really wanted this one peanut butter jelly waffle sandwich from this waffle place back in my hometown and I would like dream and salivate and like look at pictures of it because I wasn't eating enough food and I was fucking hungry and I wanted to be thin wow right and it's not that you were weak it's that you were literally starving yourself yeah so this is this is all to show that like Even things that seem as essential to our life today, like calories, have scientific and political roots, 
Yeah. And if you need another reason to stop paying so much attention to the calorie counts on cereal boxes, maybe that's another one for you. Wow. Yeah. So if you're interested, check out Nick Colther's book, The Hungry World. This is just from the introduction, essentially. it's It goes on to talk about a lot of other things, but it's dense as the quotes uh, show. <laughs> so it's a it's not the easiest read, but it's 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 a good one. It sounds amazing. You blew my mind like three times in this conversation. Well, that was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Shall we go to the showstopper? I guess. (laughs) I guess. Let's talk about it. (laughs) So our showstopper was a patisserie display Mm -hmm. involving entremet. Which I don't, I don't quite know what makes an entremet not a layered slice. I think it has to be covered all the way seems to be one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to have some sort of glaze all the way around them. Mm -hmm. So they had to make, what was it? 12 of these. And then like some sort of physical display element out of edible stuff. Okay. Yeah. We we gotta we gotta talk about that display piece in particular because my friend brought this up to me and it's a really good point. Um, hey Rosie, mm-hmm. she said we're gonna give people five hours to make the entremet, which are very complicated, very time consuming, and also a constructed edible something. When the judging came around, that constructed edible something, they mm-hmm. didn't taste it. They didn't crack it off and eat it. They barely even acknowledged it aside from looking at it. Yeah. So it, it like they spent all this time making this constructed thing that didn't matter. Yeah. Well, and it's similar to the glass, the the sugar domes. Totally. Totally. Where it's like you had to spend all this time and like they're not going to eat it. It's not really doing anything. Let's start with chicks. Just for Let's fun. start with chicks. That, that makes sense to me. Um, chicks made this biscuit tree type thing it was just two pieces that slotted together made a big tree and then little apples all around the outside and the flavors in there were like apple caramel chocolate i don't know if there's anything else going on there but like that was the basic kind of thing they loved love love the flavors they said that the little apples tasted amazing but visually if we're being honest they were not red they were more of a brownish grayish kind of thing and that tree was (laughs) very simple it was so yeah the tree was like what is this it was like a kindergarten cardboard display or something you know like yeah it was so simple yeah but they didn't care because the entree were good yeah um, i don't want to yeah i don't want to like shit talk chigs i think he did pretty decently well it's just the what we're being judged on seems to be pretty confusing this episode yeah i agree i agree um similarly let's talk about giuseppe yeah yeah let's talk about giuseppe who had um um, some very tuscan italian flavors yeah Um, his were chocolate cherry and pine nut Mm -hmm. um and they said he didn't have quite enough pine nuts yeah coming through in the flavor but otherwise they liked them but similarly he made it was all around a a leaning tower of pisa Mm mm-hmm and this also looked very, very, very simple to me. Yeah. It was a it was a tube of Rice Krispie treats with fondant and some paint on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, dye or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And they made this big show of him, like, getting it on the stand. And what if it falls over? And it's like, it's Rice Krispie treats. Yeah. With a, it's with not a gonna big fall apart. metal rod. 
visually, if we're talking about what were the entremets supposed to be? Just like little bushes around? Yeah. The are there bushes around the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Are they are they known for their bushes? <laughs> I'm being I'm being petty. But... No, it was of all of the entremets themselves. His were the most like um, okay. Yeah. They're cute and they're green and like they held together. You know, they they had all the components, but I don't know. Visually, it was it was fine. Um, what did you think of Christelle's? Ah, oh, Christelle's. It was so it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. You've been to my island on Animal yes. Crossing now. <laughs> you know what my aesthetic is like. This they was were very that. Yeah. This was exactly what I want every square inch of my Animal Crossing island to look like. And it was really pretty. I feel like she did show some finesse in the actual like constructed piece as well, because it was like what was it made of? Was it like macaron stuff? No, it was or... meringue. It was meringue. That's the word that I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, it was meringue. Very colorful, colorfully piped. And then, yes, like, that shit's really fragile when you bake it. So she was taking a risk. And the actual entremet were really pretty, super bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. Mango, passion fruit. I mean, you cut into it and you just want to, you just want to go to town. I love them. I thought they were so good. I think it's, it was, it's just been really fun to see Christelle really blossom yeah excuse the phrase and really come into her own all right we've talked about all the other ones <laughs> we've avoided it for long enough let's mm-hmm. talk about Jurgen. so he made a tory gate out of biscuit that looked very very impressive yes like it, it seemed was... like he was he like looked at it and like figured out how to assemble the exact gate yeah like actually piece by piece how would i construct this out of cookies yeah and he accomplished that. And we need yeah. to remember that. And then his um, entremets were Genoese sponge with raspberry and matcha. Mm, with yeah. little little sails in them that were the same technique as his little daggers in his first one. I don't know if you noticed this. I thought, I know they said they looked a little pale and uninteresting, but I thought they looked very sophisticated. I, I do think they look sophisticated. I thought the green wasn't as green as it could have been for a challenge like this. It was pretty muted. Yeah. And then I agree that I think, like, overall it was successful. But we do need to point out that the boats that he had them in are the same type of containers that they would use to give to hand out tater tots at daycare yeah, yeah, yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> so we just need to throw that in there. Um, yeah. But I do agree that I I think they look nice. And then they thought that his matcha flavor was not quite strong enough, which is like, what do you want? But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> which is, again, annoying and like, <sighs> because like, are you making a baked good that you personally enjoy and has flavors that you think are delicious? Or are you making a baked good that fits the flavor profile of whoever is judging the show? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if Prude doesn't like matcha, what are you supposed to do with that? If you like the flavor of matcha, I like matcha. Like, yeah. you're just not going to agree. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like based off of the entremise, his were the weakest. Yeah. And probably tied with, I would say, Giuseppe's in presentation for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think visually as a whole, it was up there with Christelle. Yeah, it was effective. And again... Did they, did they even mention the gate? They said, wow, that looks nice. All right, these suck. We hate you. Go home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
that gate was really cool and they barely even touched on it yeah he also swore i enjoyed that oh when did he swear when he when he realized he forgot that one piece Oh, it was very yeah. it was like bleep and then they cut to Jurgen and it was like whoa Jurgen's oh yeah he forgot a piece I noticed that both him and Giuseppe showed a little bit of nerves this episode mm-hmm. if you remember back Giuseppe when he put that butter in the in the um yeah, yeah, in the yeah. oven without putting the flour in as well yeah I think the pressure's gotten to them a little yeah oh absolutely absolutely so what do you think so Christelle came in top. We love her. We, we love it. Amazing. Her. I was really happy to see it. I cried a little bit. I thought it was a really beautiful moment to yeah. like watch her succeed and to doubt herself and to so come into her own. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. And I'm not, I don't completely hate this episode, but yeah. the other half. The Yergi, Yergi boy, our little Yergi, Yergi boy. Yergin. Yergin. I don't, I don't know. I started because I, I had a little notebook with me when I was watching. Mm-hmm. And do you think um, things could have gone differently? It should have been a final four. It should have been a final four. They've never mm-hmm. done it before. How hard is it? Can we just do a fucking final four and just let all these people did so well. And if, if Lizzie's going to go home instead of Giuseppe last episode, because they don't have as much faith that Lizzie is going to be able to deliver in the final rounds, mm-hmm. then why... Do they not have enough faith in Jurgen to deliver a final, despite doing so well over this competition? Mm-hmm. This this episode also made me think that maybe they eliminated Lizzie because they thought that she would do really bad this week. It's possible. I I will admit that I don't know that I had a ton of faith in her being able to pull this kind of thing off. But she surprised us before. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of stand by what I said last week, where if we would have had five people this week, like if the thing would have been the same, if no one went home last week and then Lizzie yeah. and Jurgen went home this week, I think I would have been okay with that. Yeah, I think having two at once, it it feels less like a betrayal and more just this is how it shook out, you know? Yeah. So you wouldn't you wouldn't have said like, oh, Chiggs should have gotten home, blah, blah, blah. You, you think everyone who stayed deserved to stay? I might have sent Giuseppe home, if we're being honest. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And I understand that there's no right answer. And I would have... There are two other parallel universes right now where we are talking and Chiggs went home mm-hmm. or Giuseppe went home. And I said that Jurgen should have went home or something. Mm-hmm. Sure. I acknowledge that. I'm just yeah. in my feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Shall we... Uh, close things out. Yeah, I think so. I think I've I've said what I had to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Hollywood, watch your back. Yeah, Cole Stephenson, are you into eating? <laughs> you know, I am. I really am. And it just feels good to say it. it just yeah. feels good to put it out there. I, I yeah. don't think I've ever said it before. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. I can't remember whether or not I've ever said yes to this question. What you been eating this week? Ooh, I have a fun one this week. I have a whole fun story to unpack with the with the audience. So this week I did, yesterday in fact, I did an internet cooking challenge. The Ooh. show the show is called Choose Me, like choose, like chewing your food. Mm-hmm. And the concept is uh, three people cook a dish. And then a mystery guest eats 
each of the dishes and decides one of them to go on a date with. Oh, cute. And also as part of it, uh, you could only spend up to $25 and you had 60 minutes to cook the meal. And we had to share, three people had to share one kitchen in Brooklyn to make it happen, basically. So it was very stressful, but a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. I made uh, braised chicken, uh, chicken thighs with Brussels sprouts that had a balsamic uh, reduction and mashed potatoes. And then I used the juices from the chicken to make a gravy that I put over the top. Nice. I did not win, but that's fine because it ended up that the judge was my friend JW, who I had just produced his show on Wednesday. Yes. And I already knew him. And I kind of feel like I've already explored that option. And I think we both said no. So it was ultimately good that I didn't win. Right. Um, But it was really fun. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah, it was a good time. That sounds nice. Will it be happening again? Um, Yeah, I think so. So they are just getting up. Uh, They're recording. I think they had recorded 10 episodes so far. And there was another one that they're recording after. And then they're wrapping. So I imagine that there's going to be some time between wrapping and editing and actually releasing the stuff. But... I will post it on my socials when it comes out. And I'm assuming that they're going to do more seasons. They're trying to get like picked up on a real deal kind of place. Yeah. Uh, And they said that they'd probably have me back if that happened or something. Neat. Stay tuned. Yes. Gabe. Yes, Cole. Are you into eating? You know, I just so happen to be. What a coincidence. Wow. Uh, what, What kind of culinary journeys have you been on this week? Um, you know, not too much, but, um, I did, I was able to try another little Dutch treat, um, this week. Ooh. So the holiday that it is coming up to be, (laughs) that it will be soon, I think on the 5th of December or something like that is Sinterklaas, which Mm. is like, um, St. Nicholas Day, essentially in the Netherlands. There are these cookies called they're called papernoten i think the traditional ones are honey and aniseed and they're tiny round cookies and they're just like cute little like you know you just pop one in your mouth um so my roommate brought home some that were i think normal dough but then um with a little white chocolate shell around them and then in cocoa powder around the white chocolate so it was like a little like Ooh. truffle sort of. Yeah. And those have just been our little snack in the evening and they're very nice. That sounds amazing. So, uh. Well, how lovely. Yeah. It's been cute. Um, any, before we go, who are you gunning for? Oh, what a question. I, oh, I love all of them none so of that, much. None of that. Pick one person. Also, can we. <laughs> okay okay also could we say it's a very attractive final yeah um a lot of good looking yeah, people yeah i would agree oh god who am i rooting for it's a long pause but <laughs> a hard question well mine is christelle yeah please. i feel like that's pretty obvious yeah. i love her to death yeah um and yeah. she also i think has had a very good arc on this season like 
I don't know. She's got all of yeah. the elements from yeah. the from the perspective of the producers that they would want in a winner, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, this is so hard. I, I really need a second here to like weigh my options. Okay, I do have to go soon, so. Okay, okay, <laughs> I have to go soon too. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna say I'm rooting for Chigs. I have been sufficiently charmed by Chigs. Um, I think he's great. I love them all. And I am going to say that, but I'm going to say I'm rooting for Chase. Nice. So Giuseppe has... I love Giuseppe too. But it is like <sighs> in the past couple of weeks, he's, he's slipped a lot more than the other two. Yeah. 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 He's, he's getting in his own head yeah. and I hope he does yeah. well. I love them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will have to see next week on... We will. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Lady Fingers. This podcast features music put together by Gabriel Coleman, featuring artists like Sylvan Esso, Disclosure, and Flo Millie. Uh, Our art was made by our dear friend Alessandra Ragusa. And this episode was edited by me, Cole Stephenson. If you like what we do, you should check out some of our new projects. Gabe has a new project coming out called Earlobe Calming. It is a podcast slash audio essay slash uh, experimental space. I think it's a really cool, interesting project. You should check it out. We have a new episode that we're working together on right now that'll be coming out really soon. And you should check out my new blog on Substack. Go to coldstephenson.substack.com. My blog is called Big Little Moments. Thanks so much. Have a good one.